Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the Locker Room app and join me Wednesday at 6 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk sports. Today's episode is a special delivery mailbag episode, our second mailbag episode of the week. Questions that don't make it into the Mailbag Monday episode, we spill them over to later in the week to a special edition, excuse me, special delivery episode. Works the same way as Mailbag Monday. If you want to get involved, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. You can just send me a tweet and everything and of it helps if you tag it as Mailbag or Watch the skies Monday mornings around 9 a.m. when I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. Or if you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can send me an email lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Nothing, there's no hierarchy with uh, with the special edition stuff. It's just what sort of works thematically and organization-wise. So you're not any you're not any better or worse for being in special delivery you're just at a different time in the week but that's how we do it uh mailbag money just got a little too big and i want to answer everyone's questions or i want to answer damn near everyone's questions so we have a second mailbag show let's get into it this first question comes from kyle who asks why is our defense so bad a lack of lateral quickness b lack of effort c lack of size d lack of defensive intelligence or instincts or e lack of defensive coaching uh i think it's all of them except for lack of effort (laughs) Uh, i don't think the blazers problem is lack of effort sometimes it is lack of effort specifically in transition defense you'll see guys walk back dame specifically i don't really like dame is not a good defensive player i don't really kill him though because like his load is it's such a big ask on the other end that asking him then to sprint back on defense is probably a little bit too much there's times when he really does dog it in transition defense and it's and it is bad for the team but um, he, you know, he carries them, he drags them along on the other end a lot of nights. Um, uh, so while he isn't very good, I think we should just sort of, I think it's better to just sort of recognize Damian Lillard, not a good defensive player than it is to sort of dog him for it. But I think all the other ones are issues. Lack of lateral quickness is definitely one of them. You know, uh, Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor pretty slow laterally, uh, lack of size, you know, the Blazers play small and I think their small ball has actually been, uh, pretty good pretty decent defensively maybe even better than um the numbers don't suggest that it's like significantly better but i test wise a little bit better than just straight up having canter on the floor against certain matchups defensive intelligence and instincts i think this is this is a big part of it that that um uh maybe we don't harp on as much like i think i think you know a lot of people say defense is all effort but you can make effort in the wrong way and then you're out of position or you can tr- you know you can um the right, the wrong type of effort is just is also bad defense. So I think there are times when guys aren't communicating or guys get kind of get a little bit lost. Gary Trent Jr. does this. C.J. and, and Dame do this. Nazir Little does this a whole bunch. Um, where they just where they just get lost. Uh, I guess another guy who I'll, I'll ding for lack of effort is occasionally Carmelo Anthony. Just does a lot of standing and watching. He's flat f- flat feet just glued to the ground, really quick hands, but slow feet. Um, when he's engaged, he can be a competent defender, but he it takes a lot for him to get engaged. There's a lot of times when he is just not doing that. And lack of defensive coaching, you know, I, I think... Though I think there's enough of a sample size to suggest that the Blazers coaching staff is not an elite coaching group. 
Um, I think they get dinged a little bit uh, more. Like, I think we tend to say when the shots go in, and I'll talk about this more in a second, like, oh, the, it was bad coaching. Um, when sometimes it's just bad luck or sometimes it's just the players playing poorly. Like, it's it's a combination. But certainly this doesn't seem to be an elite defensive group by any means. Like, they, they're not good at, they're not, um, they're not raising the floor. Uh, you know, they're not, um, they're not making this team better defensively than, than the personnel would be. And that's what coaching should do, right? It should, it should make up for the poor personnel. So certainly coaching is part of it. Um, I just think sometimes we point to coaching stuff when we mean player stuff, but it's all part of the equation. That said, Kyle, I was going to lead off with this question regardless, but the Blazers played one of their better defensive games against the New Orleans Pelicans on Thursday night, holding the Pelicans to just 93 points, a season low for an opponent. Uh, Just like on Tuesday, and I mentioned this on the podcast, like the Blazers defense looked really, really bad, but also there was some shooting luck involved in it. Like the Pelicans just made a whole bunch of shots. They made, and three point defense is kind of random guys. Just people make shots. It happens. In fact, there's a lot of sort of studies that suggest three-point defense has little, in, you have almost no impact on whether your uh, opponent makes threes or not. Basically, everyone is contesting three-pointers at about the same level, and it's just, it's random on on any given night, which is a bummer. And you can see the difference in good defense and bad defense with your eyes, but specifically three-point shooting um, is maybe more random than our analysis tends to be. So while I think Tuesday was, an, was the Blazers played bad defense and it was a good shooting outlier, I think Thursday was the Blazers played significantly better defense and it was a it was a bad shooting outlier for the Pelicans. Like I think the Blazers benefited from how ba- how bad they were on Tuesday night not being able to keep Zion out of the paint and kind of giving up too much easy stuff to to Brandon Ingram that they locked in and they were way better on just keeping Zion still got his. He's really good, but he didn't get his as easily and their transition their transition defense was much better they got back much better and kind of put bodies in front of Zion he only had two just sort of wide open alley-oop dunks on on the break which seems like a lot but he's good and he's got Lonzo Ball throwing him lobs so um, cutting it down to two was certainly an improvement but like I said I think some of it is just shooting luck Um, but Kyle, you weren't the only person asking about defense. Jesse sent in the following question that says, Rocco, that's Robert Covington, said in an interview that the main focus was something to the effect of being a top 10 defense by the end of the year when they are healthy. If they put it in another gear or make an end of the year surge like the bubble last year, are you buying, selling, or holding that they will be that they could or will be a top 10 defense. Well, they're not going to be a top 10 defense on the year. Um, They're not like when Nurk gets healthy in the 20 games or whatever he plays to close the season, they're not going to make up for the first 50 where they're really bad. Um, You know, they're, they're one of the three worst defenses in the league. And I've said this a bunch, like the distance from them to move from 29th to 27th is the same as the 27th team to move to like 20th. So there's a bunch of teams jammed up there, but like that, there's a huge gap for these bottom three teams and the Blazers are in that bottom three. Like they're one of the bad, they're one of the truly bad defensive teams. And it's because of all the things Kyle mentioned. There's some physical stuff, there's some uh, IQ stuff, and there's some coaching stuff. All of those go into the pot. Um, I, I will say this, if, if Covington meant that they're going to be a top 10 defense overall, supercell not even close almost almost comically stupid to say but if he just means like from the point that Nurk gets back to the end of the season like a 20 game stretch that they could be a top 10 defense I would probably hold like I don't I wouldn't I'm probably still selling quite frankly I don't think they're going to be that because I just don't think they're good enough on defense and I don't think Nurk uh changes the 
calculation that much. Um, if they're as sort of bought into the game plan and, and lock, not bought in, but sort of like dialed in on the game plan as they were against the Pelicans, they can certainly be better. Top 10 seems like a stretch though. Um, I think they can improve. And I think if you're just looking at the sample, like Nurk is healthy, final 18 games of the season, final 22 games of the season, whatever ends up being, I might be, I might be being a little long on Nurk's prognosis. We'll call it 25 games. Uh, then yeah, I think they could be like a top 15 defense, top, top 20 defense, no prob in that, in that stretch. If they, if they lock in, they're also going to play a bunch of good teams. So it's going to, it's going to be hard, but um, yeah, I, I mean, they're going to be, I think they're going to finish in the, the year in the bottom five in defense. They're just, they're not good. Next question comes from Drew Olson at Drew J Olson on Twitter, who asks my jaw hit the floor when I saw that Covington leads the team by far in plus minus any theories as to why that is. He's clearly no Dame, but do you need to start a new recurring segment to track Rocco less minutes? Yeah. Um, Rocco is a monster. Uh, his advanced numbers suggest that he is the most impactful player on and off the court on the team, even more so than Damian Lord because the impact on Robert Covington puts on or has on the Blazers defense is, um, Staggering. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Blazers are 11.6 points per uh, 100 possessions better on offense with Robert Covington in, in the game than they are on the bench. And they're 7.7 points better on defense with Covington in the game than on the bench. That is dramatic. That's like going from being uh, an elite offense to a really bad one and a serviceable defense to a horrific one. I mean, Rocco is just... He is... Um, he had this sort of on-off splits last year with Houston too. Like he's an impactful player. His defense, one-on-one defense is um, susceptible to guys beating him, but he is a really good help defender. He has amazing hands. Like even tonight against uh, Zion, he had three times where Zion beat him off the dribble because Zion's so fast and he just, he used his quick hands to slap the ball free or just poke the ball free and slow Zion down so he could recover. He just, I mean, Rocco just has great hands, great defensive instincts, great timing. Um, he's He's been really good. He's been really really good. I, he, he's probably been the Blazers second best player. I'm going to just say he's been the Blazers second best player. Like since CJ has been out, CJ was on an absolute freaking tear, but at certain point he only played 13 games or whatever. So you got to ding him. I think like all season though, Rocco is just, um, you look at the, particularly the on off splits, like Rocco is just a monster. Um, he is, he's, he also plays 80, 3% 3% of his minutes by my count. I didn't, that number does not include the game, the minutes he played tonight against the Pelicans. I didn't look, I, I took these notes before the game started. So 83 plus uh, percent of his minutes with Dame. So that explains some of the offense. Like if you play, if you play with Dame, this is what, when uh, Evan Turner was like way, way, way near the bottom of the league in, in, plus minus he'd be like I don't play any minutes with Dame if you play with Dame you're gonna have a good plus minus and I don't get to play with Dame and CJ which was always like a really funny excuse but there was there was some truth to that too so I um I mean I just like this this is we should just appreciate Robert Covington this is what we should do uh, another Twitter user I didn't have their name down but but implored me to look at these on-off splits is why I ended up doing it um this was 10 10 or so days ago uh and yeah he's dude's a monster so appreciate Robert Covington because he's he has been he's really been awesome all right let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions but before we get there let's talk about bet online bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action There's NBA games every night, and we are entering the most fun weekend of college basketball all year long, the first round of the NCAA tournament. As you're listening to this, I would assume that NCAA tournament games are happening right now. 
Um, maybe you woke up early and they're happening and you live on the East coast and they're happening a little bit later in the afternoon, but they're really, they're happening today. They're happening Friday. It's, it is a very, very, very fun day to bet on sports. So why not go to betonline.ag where you get real time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine, real time scores. They got news on all your sports news. It's just the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head on over to that website, betonline.ag. And use the promo code Locked On to get fifty percent a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's the promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get all your sports news you need in under twenty minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of the local experts from the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure you follow Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, let's keep it rolling with this special delivery mailbag episode. Our next question comes from Hector, who asks, I think we've all realized that Amphrey Simons has no playmaking skills, and although CJ McCollum runs the offense in the second unit while Dame is out, a pure play... A pure playmaker there could give rest to the duo and provide alternatives on on offense. I'm thinking of guys like Tyus Jones and Cameron Payne. Hector sent a long email, and I, I edited a great deal. So Hector had some um, compelling arguments for Tyus Jones and Cameron Payne. And what Hector is doing here is kicking off our segment about trades. I took a little hiatus from playing Trade Machine. Um, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I understand that many of you find it um, fascinating. And frankly, if you're all going to send me a bunch of trades. I want you to hear your questions on the podcast. So I'm I'm breaking my mini hiatus. We're back. The trade deadline is next week. We're a week out from the NBA trade deadline. I can't hold I can't hold back on y'all now. So Hector's kicking us off in this second segment. We're going to talk a bunch about trades, personnel, thoughts from you dear listeners uh here's the problem hector with tyus jones and cameron payne is that they both play on the teams that they're on uh memphis like who who do you trade uh from the blazers that could go to memphis and be part of the rotation uh if it's anthony simons are you just punting on anthony simons for like a career backup in in tyus jones I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it, but does Memphis want that? And with Cameron Payne, like he, he plays, he contributes, like he's, um, he's had a, you know, kind of re rekindled his career that looked like it was on the ropes in Phoenix. Uh, who are you sending to Phoenix in exchange for Cameron Payne? I, I, I don't, I've never been a guy who's been on board with the idea that the Blazers need a backup point guard. And I, I, I still haven't gotten on board because I don't see them needing a table setter as curing their problems. They could use another downhill attacker, which Cameron Payne kind of is for sure. Um, and Tyus Jones a little bit, although he shoots a ton of floaters. Um, but, but I, I don't think they need a table setter. Like I don't think a guy to dribble and get them into offense makes mellow pass more, makes Gary Trent pass more, or quite frankly, makes CJ pass more, right? Like uh, I think they need a downhill creator more than they need a table setter. And both of those guys are more table setters. Um, both of them are good, like really solid backup point guards. I like the idea, um, you know, but I don't think f- flipping Rodney Hood for Tyus Jones, which is like about salary wise, what it would take is even remotely appealing to the Grizzlies and the Blazers only have so many second round picks and as ro- expiring Rodney Hood and a 2022 second round pick, get it done for Tyus Jones. I can't imagine Memphis says yes to that. So uh, Hector, I like the idea. I just don't think, um, I don't think the other teams are going to be on board. Next question comes from Charlie Brown who asks, 
Yeah, Charlie Brown, for real. This is an email coming from person Charles Brown, who signed it Charlie. So you're getting your whole name on there. Charlie Brown asks. Actually, Charlie Brown sent another long email condensed down. Charlie Brown proposes that the Blazers send out Gary Trent Jr. in exchange for Matisse Thibel. So Matisse Thibel is... um, a heck of a defensive playmaker in his second season with the Philadelphia 76ers. He doesn't really play for them, though, because he is a super negative on the other side of the floor. Like, he just, he can't shoot. He can't, he, 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 he kind of shot well his rookie season, and then he's totally regressed, and he's, he just buns on, on offense this year. And, and he's not, he's so bad on offense, they just, they just can't play him. They, they don't, they can't find consistent minutes for him. Um, I like the idea of this trade, but I do think that you are sacrificing a more valuable skill shooting floor spacing for theoretical defense because I don't think Matisse Thibel is a better, like I think in theory he will be a better defender than Derek Jones Jr. for sure. But I don't know if he is right now and I don't know if he gets on the court. I don't know if you can go on the court with Dame, Matisse Thibel, and Derek Jones and like have Dame have any space. Like I just I worry that he's so bad on offense that you're that you're losing it. I think Charlie, I think you're heading in the right direction, but to Thibel's just not my guy. It's not my guy. He might be your guy. Uh, I think it's reasonable to disagree, but not my guy. Next question comes from GLK, who says, "I know this passes the this deal passes the trade machine." trade machine test at a minimum does this not work for everyone where are the hiccups portland gets michael michael carter williams and orlando gets rodney hood and harry giles here's the problem with this trade those players are bad you can't send bad players in exchange for okay players you certainly can't send bad players on expiring contracts in exchange for a, for a former first round pick rodney hood is has been horrific this year harry giles cannot is out of the rotation and hasn't been healthy. This year is a new thing. He hasn't been healthy his whole career, basically since he was a junior in high school. And it's continuing now, and he still doesn't look quite like an NBA player. Um, You're going to have to probably include draft picks with this. Like, I think if you're trying to trade for a big man from the Orlando Magic, it's going to be Kem Birch. Because if the Magic move forward, they're going to, like, they invested some, you know, they drafted uh bomba in the top 10 he's he's a high draft pick um i i just think i see what you're saying but the you the problem with these trades and it's kind of why i resist trade machine is that i don't think in general dear listeners that um the blazers have assets that are valued around the league and rodney hood and harry giles certainly aren't those next question comes from liam who asks Trade deadline alert! Pending trade deadline alert! Aaron Gordon for Rodney Hood and Zach Collins. And then Liam notes within this trade that Orlando would probably want more, something in addition. Perhaps Giles? Perhaps we give uh, OKC slash Detroit Anthony Simons and they give Orlando some first or second round picks that they have in excess. You think you, think you could trade Anthony Simons for a first round pick? I don't. You think Rodney Hood coming off an Achilles injury who looks terrible. Zach Collins, who's yet to make, who hasn't played in two seasons and, and has yet to make a consistent impact in the NBA. And Harry Giles, who's who's kind of just like, 
Zach Collins except without those productive playoff minutes, right? Like Collins has more productive minutes than Giles in the league, but they're they're in some kind of similar boats. You think that's going to get you Aaron bleeping Gordon? Well, you're not alone because CJ Ellaby's burner at Justin P 1111 on Twitter asks, with the Blazers linked to Aaron Gordon, how likely do you think a trade is? is for him as Orlando looks to start a rebuild. Here's the problem. Oh, CJ Ellaby proposes the trade. Hood, Collins, and Giles for Gordon. What the heck? What, what is... What? In order to get good players, you have to trade good players. You're going to have to trade Nazir Little and Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons. You're going to have to do that. That's like, you need to include Rodney Hood in the trade to make the salaries work, but you can't just trade bad players away for good players. <laughs> the Blazers would do that if they wanted to. Honestly, you know what? I wasn't going to do it, but... Y'all made me do it. I've read the reporting about Aaron Gordon's availability. Uh, I've, I've said it here on the podcast and I'll say it here again. It sounds like the, the Orlando Magic want multiple first round picks in exchange for Aaron Gordon. The Blazers don't have that. And these proposals have the Blazers sending out bad basketball players in exchange for maybe a good one. I think there's a chance the Blazers, like, I, I think, I think that, Aaron Gordon has been on the Blazers' wish list for since last offseason, since 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 the bubble, and maybe even before that. Um, I think they see him as a as a guy who a four who can distribute, and that's kind of the, the position they're looking for. Um, he was linked to them before. Dame's agent is constantly tweeting about Aaron Gordon, like that. There is where there is some where there is some smoke, there's some fire. But you're going to have to give up good players to get Aaron Gordon. You, this is if you want Aaron Gordon, say goodbye to Ant, say goodbye to Gary Trent Jr., say goodbye to Nazir Little, maybe all three, and say goodbye to a future first round pick and maybe some seconds. I mean, it's the the asking price is so much higher than um, like these these just aren't realistic trades. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it real with y'all with Liam and CJ Elby's burner. These this isn't those aren't even close to realistic. Like the they don't. They do not pick up the phone. That's why he got hit with the Bishop Bullwinkle. Next one comes from Justin Osland at Justin Osland Seven, who asks, "No idea what Toronto is going to do this summer, but who says no? Gary Trent Jr. sign and trade, assuming Trent gets twenty million per year. Nurk and a first for Pascal Siakam. Thoughts? Yeah, I think this really depends on what the." what Toronto does. I will say this, if Toronto is going to pay a shooting guard $20 million a year, wouldn't they just do it to Norm Powell? You know what I'm saying? Norman Powell's better than Gary. I think this is in the range of, in the realm of possibility. Like I I think this is, this is more towards realistic. I, it really depends on what, if it kind of seems like if, if, Toronto is tearing it down that like Nurk and Gary don't Nurk and $20 million a year for Gary Trent Jr. Don't kind of like put them in the spot they want to be. But I think you're, I think you're heading in the right direction with this one. Uh, It just, what's, what is Toronto going to do? So I think very predictably, I shot down every single trade that was offered. Um, And I even got mad about Aaron Gordon trade proposals. Your boys, your boys trade hiatus didn't his, his foray back into the world of fake trades from his trade hiatus. Uh, you know, got a little heated. Not really. I appreciate all the questions. I'm just, I'm just messing with y'all. Um, and you know, I want to be, um, I want to keep, I want to keep it real when I get a chance to keep it real, but let's, let's close out the special delivery episode, uh, in third segment with more of your questions. But before we get to those, let's talk about Bill Bar. You know what it is. It's the best tasting protein bar in the market. It's low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein. 
But now it's time to decide what's the best Built Bar of them all. That's right. It's Built Bar Madness. The good folks at Built Bar got a bracket. And today's matchup is Caramel Brownie versus Double Chocolate. I think this might be the toughest one for me yet. These are both both uh, flavors that I I really enjoy. These probably, if I, when I get the mixed box, these are probably gone early in the game. But I'm going to lean caramel brownie because of it's got a little variety of texture in there um double chocolate's really good like don't if, if you're if you see a double chocolate bill bar snatch that thing up and eat it but um if i i'm being forced to choose so caramel brownie is going to advance into the next round if you want to vote in this poll or you want to get your hands on some built bars go to billbar.com or visit them on twitter at bar underscore built and Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And make sure you check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. If you like basketball, chances are you might need some fancy basketball advice, and it's important that you get a reliable source. So why don't you go to the place that more people trust? That's Josh Lloyd, the host of Fantasy Basketball, the most popular fantasy basketball podcast that there is. When you want to win, go to the best. Find the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast wherever you already get podcasts. All right, let's close out this special delivery mailbag episode with more of your questions. This next one comes from Joel, who asks, is there a worse coach than Terry Stotts in management of coaches' challenges? I don't think I've ever seen him win one. At the very least, he loses most of them. That is true, Joel. He's three for nine on the year, but he won one against New Orleans. I actually already went back and forth with Joel on this a little bit. Uh, Joel admits his little confirmation bias here, and there always is. When the coach screws up, it's easier to remember it than when he gets a one right, um, particularly if it's just like sort of a random foul call. But uh, in, uh, Stotts has been bad this year. Three of nine, not good, even if he won tonight. That is bad. I think one of the things that I don't like about the way he's used challenges this year is that he's trusted his players early in the game, and I don't think there's any reason to challenge to to challenge a call before this at least the second half and probably the fourth quarter i know that when you get in the fourth quarter you're managing timeouts so there might be some incentive not to do it but really i, I just think you should cha- you should save your challenge to the final five minutes i know that every possession is equal in theory but it's not how it actually works however in the larger picture stats has been either above average or exactly league average, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, the first year the challenges were implemented last season, Terry Stotts went 13-10 and 10 on challenges. He actually started super hot and then kind of started to limped home, limped home to the finish line. Um, kind of the reverse of every Blazer season. Uh, but NBA coaches on the whole went 44% on challenges. They got slightly less than half correct. Uh, for the most part, they got things like out-of-bounds correct, but foul calls are much more rare to get overturned. This is according to the data that the NBA released at the end of the season. But if you just look at Terry Stotts' now overall percentage, including this year and last year, he's just under 44%. He's 43%, including tonight's challenge. Now for the for the whole for the whole thing, he's 43% over this over the since challenges have been implemented. Uh it'll be I don't I don't have all the data in front of me um cuz the NBA hasn't released it all yet. Uh they'll do it at the end of the year, I assume again to prove how good 
uh, referees are. That's it's it's referee propaganda, uh, referee PR maybe is a better way to put it. But yeah, I, I, like in general, I think Stotts has been bad at it this year because he's like trusted Yusuf Nurkic for saying nope, didn't foul him, didn't foul him. There were three early in the season that Nurk was like, yeah, yep, yeah, didn't didn't get him, and Terry trusted him, and it's a mistake. It was, and even if it's okay to trust your players because that kind of builds some confidence. Uh, doing it in the first or second quarter makes no sense. So I haven't really agreed with the way Terry has used challenges this year, but on the whole, he is, um, he's not like bad at it. He's just, he's as good as everyone else is. He's okay at it. And in fact, last year he was maybe even good at it. Next question comes from Scott. This is Scott PTB30 on Twitter, at Scott PTB30, who asks, I think the biggest frustration with the Blazers' defense is the lip service we hear about it. Stotts said, we've been inconsistent, yet we've shown that we are capable of. I'm not sure what he's referring to. They've had a few stretches within a few games that have looked better than the worst defense in the NBA, but I'd argue this is more akin to the worst three-point shooting team in the league going on a hot streak in a quarter. It's fine, but it's not at all productive of, predictive of future success. The defense is fundamentally broken from personnel to schemes, IQ to effort. It's all bad. So where do Stotts and his quotes fall on the optimistic, positive versus delusional incompetence spectrum? So yeah, I didn't include this in the first section because I didn't because um, they kind of played an okay defensive game and and uh, and I covered a lot of this early on. But I wanted to put this in the in the third the third segment here because I I kind of just like for me Terry's so bad at answering questions that using like and I maybe this is like. This is just, I'm like so jaded from seven years of asking him questions, but using what he actually says against him is, is garbage because he's just, he just doesn't say anything in those, in, in those, in interviews. And particularly now when he's, they're on zoom and they're just kind of even more disconnected, he just BSs right to your face. And he's just saying anything to keep the, keep it moving. Like, and you can't hold him accountable in a zoom the way you can when you're standing right in front of him and say, what? Or, you know, and like cut him off in the same way. You don't, you, you don't have that sort of natural human back and forth to be like, dude, you're just lying to me. So I don't like to me. And I, a couple of you have asked similar questions. In the same vein of Scott is like, well, Terry said this, but it's clearly false. Yeah. Th- that's what he does. That's what he does. In interviews. He sucks at them. He's so bad at them. Part of like, I think part of people's frustration and it's, and it's, it's totally fair is that when he's like at, he's put on the spot to be held accountable for something, he gives these sort of wishy-washy shruggy answers. Sometimes it's cause he's in a weird spot and it's like, and it's hard to answer those things like in the moment. And he doesn't want to throw people under the bus. He's doing his job of protecting protecting guys or whatever it is. Um, and, and, you know, and, and being giving sort of a milk toasty cliche answer is like, is a good way for protection. But sometimes he just doesn't want to answer a hard question that he knows he doesn't have a good answer to. And he gives a crappy one. So like, I'm not, to me, it's, I'm not holding Terry's. I wish he was different. Like, I wish he was like, we stink and I hate it. Some coaches do that. You know, Mike, Mike Malone does it all the time in Denver, but it's just not who he is. So I don't, I don't hold him against him. To me, it's, um, it's not, it's, it's not on this optimistic versus delusional thing or it is. It's just like, um, he's just like, you know, willfully passing, willfully pushing the question to the side, because like, if you push it to the side, you can keep it moving and he'll be done with media sooner. Next question comes from CJ at friggin winning on Twitter, who asks in 2019, Yusuf Nurkic did not contribute in the playoff due to injury. And the results were pretty good with, with Ennis Cantor. Are Nurk's team contributions when not injured overrated? Do you believe the Blazers would have made it to the finals or possibly won the title in 2019 with a healthy Nurk? Uh, I think both of the answer to both of these questions is no. Uh, I think what you were seeing in 2019 is how good Ennis Cantor is, is what you're seeing now is like, he's like a really 
high level backup center. Like he's probably the best backup center in the NBA and having that guy on your roster is a luxury. It really helps. Um, you know, the Blazers also got contributions from Zach Collins. They got contributions by going small in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, but really, it was it, that's more about Ennis than it is about Nurk. Uh, Nurk is maybe a little overrated by like the fan base in general. Like, I don't think um, maybe not this year. People are pretty down on him, but I think like at his peak, he was a little bit maybe a little overrated by the fan base. He's probably one of the you know ten best players at his position, but not close to the top five. Uh, he's he, you know he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, he's just there are some elite there's some elite centers in the league, and Nurk is not that. Uh, do I think they would have made the finals? Or won the title in 2019 with a healthy Nurk? Hell no. I mean, not close. The Having a big center against Golden State in the Western Conference Finals wasn't going to help. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to, like, he wasn't going to fix the issues there. Like, the Warriors were just going to go small and torment them. I mean, it, even as, as banged up as they were, with, with Steph and Clay and Draymond and Andre Godala for the first three games, that team, um, you just couldn't outbig that team. So no, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he would have impacted the outcome. But I don't think he's like like wildly overrated. I think he's like mildly overrated and like pretty darn solid. And Ennis Cantor is also a good basketball player. Next question, final question of the show comes from Blake Pitaro at Ball Don't Lie seventy seven on Twitter who at who asks, in honor of our beloved host, you. That's me, y'all. Please create your all time starting five of players with the name Mike slash Michael. Okay, Blake. This took me more work than I wanted because there aren't that many bigs who were good who are named Michael. So starting at starting at point guard, we got Michael Ray Richardson, uh, a really a real star of the '80s and, and early '90s. Uh, if his if he you know his career was sidetracked or derailed by substance abuse issues, but he's a he was an absolute star when he was on the court. At shooting guard, we're going Michael Cooper. Uh, there's only two Michaels in the NBA Hall of Fame for for or Basketball Hall of Fame for players, NBA players who are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Michael Cooper's one of them. That, you know, an elite defender and elite glue guy on those Laker teams. Uh, could not make a list without him on it. The third guy is MJ playing slightly out of position, but him and Coop could just be interchangeable. You could just move Coop to the three or move MJ to the move MJ to the to the three. I mean, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, right? That's the list started with him. At the four, this is when it got really hard. Uh, I'm going to choose Mike Mitchell, a one-time All-Star who had six seasons of averaging 20-plus with the Cleveland Cavaliers and San Antonio Spurs. I, not a name that I was familiar with, quite frankly, until I started this exercise, but he was the best Michael who played. He's, he's also a three, but we're playing him up position. We're playing small. Uh, but he's, this, was, this is a sneaky good Michael, Mike Mitchell. At center, we're also going a little bit small. Michael Cage, uh, who's on those really good Sonics teams and was a one-time rebound champ in the league. Really good early '90s Sonics teams. He's probably more of a four, quite frankly. He played a little bit of um, a little bit of center, but he's, he's probably more of a four. Um, he's he's now bald and works for the Oklahoma City Thunder as a, in their broadcast team. But when he played, he had a Jerry curl, and that's pretty fun. Some other Mikes or Michaels that didn't make the team, Michael Bibby, Michael Conley, Michael Adams, a point guard for the Denver Nuggets, who was a one-time All-Star, and 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 one of sort of my my favorites, like, hey, you, you know, like, you're talking about great Nuggets, you got to mention Michael Adams. Uh, Mike Jaminski, who was just like a really solid player for a while, but he went to Duke, he was not getting on the team. Michael Red, um, lefty shooter from, from the early 2000s. All those guys deserve a shout out. I guess both Mike Dunleavy Jr. and Mike Dunleavy Sr., but 
wrong college and uh, I wasn't old enough to appreciate Mike Dunleavy Sr. Those are probably, you know, Michael Oluwakandi was a name that crossed my mind. Michael Beasley was a name that crossed my mind. But I, I, I really, I need help. If you were a listener here and you, can, and you got a really good big named Michael, like a convincing good big named Michael, shoot it my way and I'll add him to the all-time Michael team. Thanks for the question from, for Blake. And thanks for all of you for participating. That's those who send in questions and those who just listen along. I appreciate you just the same. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, be it Mailbag Monday or this special delivery version, which happens later in the week each week, just tweet at me at Mike G. Ritz or send me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Blazers got a couple more games coming up against the Dallas Mavericks. We'll do Mailbag Monday next week. We've got... Like I said, I'm going to be doing locker room chats. That's like, it's an audio only app. You download the app. I'm going to be doing Wednesdays from uh, basically from now until the end of time. I think uh, we're at least agreeing to do them until September. So that's in my book, six months is about forever. So if you are an iOS user, download that app, meet me on there. It'll be like, um, it'll, it's basically a live version of the podcast, except if you join the chat, I can add you, you can come on, ask your question in real time. We can have a, we can have a real back and forth. So you can tell me that I'm wrong about stuff. What a great opportunity. You probably think, listen to this podcast, I'm wrong all the time. So the locker room app is there to tell me right to my, right to my, not my face, but right, right into my microphone that I'm, I'm incorrect. So join me on that on Wednesdays. Like I said, Mailbag Monday on, on uh, I record on Monday nights and post it on Tuesdays. I got a fun interview lined up next week. So yeah, we got a lot of fun coming up. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.